Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. And hello, hello everyone, and here I am again, Helena, Helena Steiner-Hornstein. I am in Miami, as you probably know from my newsletters, but I will not be here that long. I'm going to Europe to speak in just a few days. I'm going to be in Helsinki on Valentine's Day uh, and the days after, so if you want to reach me there, email me. And it's going to be fun, but, you know, I'm a little bit worried about the the, the weather. <laughs> Someone says it's minus 20, and they said it's going to be colder now as we go into February. So I'm a little concerned. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. And also I want to announce I have my newest CD out. It's uh, called Finding Your Inner Light and Higher Potential. And it's going to be up uh, up for sale as from end of next week, I believe. So... uh, Get it, get to it, and it will be a great reminder for for those of you who have come to my lectures and workshops and private one-on-ones. So today, I have a guest, and I know already she's a wonderful guest. I can just feel that from her energy. Her name is Dr. Gillian Holloway, and she is a psychology researcher and university professor but she is also a dream expert. And she believes that paying attention to our dreams can make us smarter and safer. And she also believes, and uh, I know she's right on that, that our dreams are packed with new insights that can help us make better decisions and recognize threats that might be ahead of us or around us. And she has written four books all about dreams, and uh, her latest book, The Complete Dream Book, is the result of 30,000 case studies. That's a lot of studies <laughs> of the <laughs> common dreams in the English-speaking countries around the world. So she is here, Dr. Gillian. Hello. Welcome. I'm so happy you will be with me. I hope you are still with me. <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful introduction. I hardly recognize myself now. Well, it was just about the way you wrote it. <laughs> I always say that. <laughs> but um, I added on, you seem to have a very wonderful personality. And, of course, I work with energy, so I can feel those things. You know, I, ah. I'm very receptive to energies. Even through an email, I can mm. sense the energy of someone. And, of course, now talking about dreams, and I know people are very interested in dreams. Uh, they come to me many times with dreams and ask me to interpret. Of course, I'm not a dream expert, and I tell them so. But, of course, intuitively, there are lots of things that I can pick up from dreams. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So it's not... You, it's, yeah, sorry. It's, I, not I, that, it's not that difficult, is it, to see... Uh, the the meaning or the heart of a dream shining through what it presents. You know, I think you're absolutely right on that. It isn't that hard because you get a feeling right away Mm -hmm. uh, what it could mean. 
But then the other day, or just a couple of days ago, I had a college, uh, not college, it goes to high school, final year, a senior high school, and it's very pushed for, you know, work, and, you know, it's hard for her to to really make the best grades and so on. And she told me about a dream that was really a weird dream, a nightmare dream. But this mm-hmm. is a very spiritually young lady, centered young lady. And she said she was she was visiting this hotel. And this is the dream I'm telling you. Maybe you can tell, give me your take on it. And she was up in this high rise. It was a hotel. And she was entering a room and she opened the closet in the room and there was a dead body. And mm-hmm. she got so scared and she felt that now people were around her and they followed her. She would start to run and run and run. And those people were following her. They were running after her. And she ended up at the morgue. And those people were around her. And then she just made sure that she got out of there and woke up. Mm-hmm. What did that mean to her? What was that? Because she was really scared. And that was the whole point that she came up with. She was so scared. Yes. Well, typically, it's not unusual for youngsters, especially as they are on the brink of maybe college or work or joining the service or kind of making that break with the early part of their life, to have a sequence of nightmares that deal with death. And one way that is pretty obvious is that they a chapter a part of their life is dying. They they have to go through the process of letting go of being a dependent, being a child, all the things that they were that role, and then yeah. they're going to start something new. So that's one layer of probably what is going on with this young lady. Yeah, and that sits kind of right, and that's what I told her something similar also, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, I wanted to pass on the question to you. And it's so true when you're young, you dream. When I was a young girl, I had extraordinary dreams all the time. And I remember those dreams still today. And they were fearful dreams. And they were like snakes were running after me. (laughs) Or those Native American Indians were running after me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, interesting. Yes, very interesting. And that's, uh, you know, afterwards, once I didn't have that fear of those uh, images of the Native American uh, Indians, I started to buy books. You know, when I came mm-hmm. up in like 12, I bought books with that kind of scenery, you know, the American books translated into Swedish about mm-hmm. the Native American Indians. And, and then I had peace mm-hmm. after that. Interesting, interesting. Did you associate that with a past life, or what did you feel about those? Uh, Now, afterwards, yes. Now I do, uh, and uh, feel the connection very strongly, and that's why I'm so happy you bring up past lives, and I know particularly my audience is very interested in past lives, and particularly when they come to me and I hear, you know, I see those men and I see the corporate directors and they sit there and, and they say, what, do, do you know anything about past lives? Have you listened? <laughs> <laughs> I feel this and that and they come up and, you know, men always want to be in control. Yes, <laughs> Don't sometimes. they somehow? Yeah. And I love them dearly. It's just that, you know, they have this thing. They, they, they not get out of control too easily. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so? Yes, I do find that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even um, the, even women when they are in that mode, 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's very yeah. much so. Yeah. So uh, now dreams, and I know I go back, well, not I go back, but I know the old Egypt, they were into dreams, and they had those dream experts. Do you want to talk about that? Do you know more about that? You should. Well, know. I know that dreams are, our perspective on dreams always is um, impacted by the culture in which we live. And so in different ages, there was more of a sense that dreams came directly from God or from the gods or from spirits. And that was a just a natural part of the assumption about dreams and also that the dead could come and visit us in dreams or that we could go into other realms. All of this was more of what we call now a shamanic perspective about dreams. And it's taken us a long time to get back to uh, contemplating some of the paranormal or the spiritual side of dreams because for so long we were under the umbrella of a kind of forced intellectualism where we were dissecting dreams like a frog on the laboratory table and trying to connect the little pieces of a dream with uh, something that might be going on with a person or, or a problem or make a diagnosis from a dream. And so I'm really excited that in the last five to ten years, really, I'm seeing more people are interested in dreams and they're not afraid, they're not intimidated. They know that their dreams are another side of their own intelligence their own wisdom, their own heart and soul, if you will, speaking to them through these pictures of their feelings and pictures of what's going on. So it's a very, uh, for me, it's a very rewarding time to be working with them. Uh, what countries did you uh, visit, you know, when you made all that research? Well, I for for quite a bit of my research, I've been able to gather dreams via the Internet, from probably 1995, I started collecting them with quite a bit of background information from the dreamers mm -hmm. and quite a bit of back and forth with them. Um, so the dreams have come in my collection that I reflect in my book, the complete dream book. Um, they've come from Canada, the United States, Australia, Great Britain, Ireland, all the, the English Isles, as it were, um, and quite a bit from... Uh, around the world, Germany and um, Switzerland, the Netherlands, uh, anywhere where people are reading, able to read my website, which is in English, um, I've yeah. been able to collect quite a few dreams. So it's not, you know, it's not around the world, and it doesn't really uh, go with other cultures necessarily, other than fairly um, industrialized cultures. But the interesting thing is that our dreams are more alike than I would ever have suspected. So I, I feel that we are, the challenges that we face as individuals, although we're all unique and we're all one of a kind, we do have certain things that are almost set up like hurdles in the lifespan. And when you encounter a particular hurdle, like we talked about the girl who was ready to move into adulthood, there's a particular set of challenges and paradoxes that we face at that point. Just as when you start a family or when you get married, or when you're older and your kids move away, there's a particular hurdle in your road. And for some people, it's easy and it's joyous. And for others, it's more confusing. When you get to that point, you have a particular set of dreams. One set of dreams that a lot of women report is being in a house, and it's their house, but 
they go in and discover, they open a door and discover a room that they've never been in or they haven't been in there yeah, for 20 years. Sure. I, I've had those dreams about rooms that had... haven't. But yeah. they've been wonderful dreams, actually. They've yeah. been more, oh, I didn't know I had that room. How exciting. I have to come here more often, you know. Yes, yes. And that's <laughs> it. That's right, and it, it's, it often, it's often joyful. Sometimes it's poignant, like, oh, how could I have forgotten this? Some of my beautiful things are in here. Yeah. But often it's very exciting. Um, and when the people like you, when a dreamer says, oh, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to start using this and enjoying this again, that's a sign that they have decided to pick up the threads of something very near to their heart that was necessarily put to the side or put to the margins of life when you are busy with other things. So this is a, a time of renewal where you have an opportunity to go back to, your, go back to your church, go back to your art, go back to your public speaking, whatever it is that was so close to your heart years ago. This is so interesting because, you know, I had those dreams about the house when I'd gone through changes in my life, when I'd been mm -hmm. widowed or I'd been divorcing or, or <laughs> I'd been moving or just not knowing in what direction to, to, to go. So but this sits very right. But for me, it's always been something that I carried with me afterwards. In the morning, I felt, God, you know, I loved my room. And it's almost like I walked around here with, in my place and looked for that room. <laughs> yes. Well, it, because it, it is. Because it's so it's, good. Yeah. It's very real. That's one reason why dreams are so powerful. Because when we wake up, even though it was an imaginary story, the feelings and the situations and the potential are very real. They are woven out of the fabric of our feelings and our psyche. So they are real. They're even more real than the, the real world, if you will. Yeah, but still they're happy days. Not to, what about someone who's actually depressed? And you come across depressed people who, who I cannot believe have happy dreams. Yes, yes. Well, there is nothing that... Um, the dreaming mind finds more um, terrible than when a person has made choices in their life that lead them to feel less alive. Dreams actually have what we call in psychology a bias, and their bias is to turn towards what makes you feel good, what makes you happy, fulfilled, alive, what allows you to make progress in your life in whatever way you are, whether it's material or spiritual or emotional. So when we've made choices in our lives that lead us to be less alive, whether you're clinically depressed or whether you're just having a season where you feel like you're not connected to anything anymore, then your dreams will start to make the problem more vivid. And people feel like, oh, my dreams are tormenting me. I already have enough problems, and then at night I have these terrible dreams. But in fact, it's the psyche screaming at you because there has been a lack of integration or understanding. And the dreaming mind talks in symbols. So when we don't understand, you may begin to have nightmares because it, the dreaming mind is turning up the volume and saying, you haven't listened to me for the last year. Now I'm going to scream and see how you like it. So the more that we turn towards our dreams, even if they're ugly or disturbing, the more you can start that conversation between your waking thoughts and what you believe is going on in your deeper mind and heart and what it knows is going on. Yeah, this is so interesting what you're saying. And I really uh, realize that you are a dream expert. 
also particularly what you said before that past lifetimes and when I mentioned this about the Native American Indians that I knew nothing about, you know, growing mm-hmm. up in Sweden. We didn't have those people. Around, <laughs> <you know. laughs> uh-huh. So, uh, And some psychologists of the old school would say, well, you must have seen a picture somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, but, you know, you see a lot of pictures. It doesn't right. need to, to influence you that much. It would have been still, if I seen a picture, it would still have been a reminder of something if I had that strong reaction, you know. Yes. Yes, I was not a, a great enthusiast of uh, past life theory uh, until I started working with dreams. And, and I wasn't a great enthusiast of, of spirituality until I started working with dreams. And then I began to see it was like reading a sacred text every day, listening to people recount their dreams and yeah. seeing that in addition to what's going on in, in their life, you know, you can see the, the current challenges and so forth, there was a a sacred level to every dream that I, I couldn't, you know, I would be lying if I said it wasn't there. So it's really opened me up and changed my life and my beliefs. Yeah. Uh, so um, are you there? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah, okay, Nadia, sorry, I had another call on the line, unfortunately. But, um, what um, about uh, which has happened to me a lot, and I just want to record to to share with you something that happened just a couple of weeks ago or okay. a few weeks ago, and I was uh, you know I have grandchildren things, so we all went to Disney World here in Florida, and uh, I didn't feel very well for a few weeks, and I don't know really why. You know, I used to feel wonderful, but I had some kind of stomach ache that was kind of following me around. And one evening I just said, I'm going to get rid of that. Heck, you know, I'm a heathen. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, so I just kind of worked on myself and I brought in angels and energy and light and everything else and made me feel really good. And I fell asleep very quickly. And then I woke up in the night or thought I woke up in the night and I felt so warm and so great and I felt my stomach being like warm and wonderful. And I looked up and I saw like a rope of light coming from above going right into my body. Mm. And at that moment, I just said, I'm healed, I'm well, I got it, I got it, you know. And just wanted to stand up and dance, but of course I just continued sleeping. Mm-hmm. And is this a spiritual experience or is, is this a sort of a dream? Because I, I was well after that, completely yeah. well. I've even forgotten what happened to me before, you know, yeah. what was wrong. Yeah, isn't that something? Well, I'm convinced that it is a, a real spiritual experience um, and that it can take place within the dreaming um, condition. You could have been in a dream state, but what happened to you was very real. I believe that that the spirits that help us, the angels, the guides, and even our deceased loved ones who have crossed over can see when we're dreaming because they so often step into our dreams to help us, to give us a message or to touch us in a healing way or to simply give us positive energy and love and remind us that we're connected with everything. And I you think know, that they... Yeah, wonderful. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just want to say, here we have a dream scientist who says so, and this is what people say out there, and people, other people say, oh, no, that's not, 
that's not so. It cannot be that way. I have always said, yes, it's exactly the way you say now, Gillian, exactly the way that, um, you know, the so-called disease that coming through during the dreams or during the night because we are more receptive. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we're more receptive and because it's easier for them uh, to take a deep breath and do whatever they need to do to connect with our vibration because sur- surely they are on a different plane than we are and they have to make an adjustment almost like making a, 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 the radio, you know, tuning the radio so that you can hear what's on it. Um, yeah. Some adjustment has to be made and it's easier for them when we're dreaming. I've been collecting hundreds and hundreds of those uh, visitation dreams, after-death communication dreams. It's a special interest of mine. And what I hear from so many people as they recount the dream is that their deceased loved one, when they're talking to them, they'll say, Mom, is this real? Are you, are you here or is this a dream? And the answer will be, yes, it's a dream. Yes, it's real. Yes, I'm here. And I can come to you when you're dreaming. So I believe that they can see our consciousness and our state the way you and I can see the furniture in our room right now. Yeah, yeah. So then they can come and make a connection. And they do, yeah. Yes, and yes. I experience this very, very much, and I've met everyone afterwards. You know, I have been married three times, and all my past husbands are now in spirit. And I met all of them, not only like this through the night, but also any time afterwards when I just seen them and can pull them in. But mm-hmm. it has always started during the night. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that I've heard over and over from people, that there will be, and I didn't expect that when I started looking at them, at these dreams, but the the dream contact seems to open up or, or solidify the channel that they can connect with from the other side so that after you have an initial dream about them, then they can start to, you can start to feel their presence during the day as well. Yeah. And, you know, when I was widowed the first time and I was young and I was like 20 years old, and I remember so well I was asking an older man, of course, he, maybe he was 50 or something, but everyone over 40 was really old at the time. But mm-hmm. I said, how come now after my husband is dead, I cannot dream about him anymore? Because before when he was not dead, I dreamt about him all the time, but now mm-hmm. he's, he's not coming in. Mm-hmm. And this wife or this man who was just a social, nice friend, he said, you know, because you're protected right now, you cannot handle it yet. Wait a little bit, and he will come in and visit you. And that was exactly what happened. Yes. My husband came and visited night, you know, several times and uh, told me even he was going to go to a new country. You know, at the time, I didn't know about reincarnation. I wasn't into anything. I was mm-hmm. just you know, one regular, well, I wasn't a regular person, but I wasn't educated in the field. So uh, I didn't know about that. Oh, he's now going to be reborn or anything, which he actually told me in this dream. And I could see him so clearly, and he was wearing a particular suit that I could see the pattern of of, of the fabric and the buttons and everything. It Mm -hmm. was so real. Yes. Isn't that? Now, that is one of the characteristics. This is how people can tell 
if they've had a dream like this that is a real communication or if they're just dreaming about uh, yeah. someone from the other, is because it is more real than any other type of dream. And it's almost more real than your life when you're awake. Yeah. It, it really is, yes, mm-hmm. because you notice this in a different way. So... Um, how uh, Sigmund Freud was into dreams. He was heavy into dreams, wasn't he? Oh, he certainly was. And for all the criticism that people have now about his theories, which were a product of his time and of the practice that he had, um, he certainly uh, shed the, enough light on dreams to uh, open the door for people to take them more seriously and to begin studying them. And... Um, so we are in his debt, you know. We are standing on his shoulders, doing what we do now. So um, well, that's that's great, <laughs> <laughs> because you know sometimes I feel that uh, you know the other way around that he has slowed down the the psycho uh, well the psychological side of ourselves with too much analyzing and so on. You are a psychologist, so you should have probably. Uh, a, a strong idea on that too but um, I'm so glad that he was into dreams and opened up that field for us well I like to think the way that, that the, the world evolves maybe some of it, I mean it's a lot of it it seems like it's tribulation but maybe some of it is the way it's meant to be that the pendulum is meant to swing you know we spent so many centuries with kind of a superstitious and, and um, very open-ended way of looking at dreams and now we're we went all the way into the intellect and now we're coming back to the middle where the dreamer owns their own dream again so maybe that was the way it was supposed to evolve yeah everything is an evolution i think about a friend she is an artist and she used to dream about people but with no faces and then she painted those uh you know people that she saw in her dreams with no faces did that mean anything when you have people with no faces? Well, you know, sometimes it can mean, sometimes it can symbolize that um, there is a potential in your life where um, it hasn't arrived yet, and so it doesn't have an identity. It's like wanting to buy a car or a house, and you can feel it in your future, but you don't know what it's going to look like. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Um, but I also believe that in our dreams we feel the spirit of someone that we're talking to, but we may not be able to discern what they look like in the dream, but we can recognize them by their vibration. So I think that sometimes a lot of uh, people will dream of someone and they say, well, they didn't have a face, and it's because you simply couldn't see uh, what they looked like. You could feel who they were. And we just haven't gotten a good understanding of how that works in, in our dreams. Yeah. It's uh, also maybe, uh, well, there are, um, in, in Sweden, maybe in old Scandinavia, at midsummer, which is mm-hmm. the 21st of June, which is the longest day, uh, we have a tradition in Sweden. And uh, that is for the unmarried girls to go out and pick nine or seven flowers. And then uh-huh. put them under their pillow, and then they just kind of program themselves so they will dream about the man they're going to marry. Oh, that's and wonderful! <laughs> it's a nice tradition, and uh, we do it. We all do it, you know, for fun and so on. And 
I have heard from many of those girls that, yeah, I saw a man, but he didn't have a face. Mm-hmm. And that yes. it would be pretty symbolic, wouldn't it? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, they That's... could even have really connected with him wherever he was at that time, but they weren't able to fill in the details because they hadn't seen him yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that's why, you know, I asked before, what countries did you speak to? Because, uh, you know, I noticed when I've spoken to various countries myself, and I've done a lot of research uh, about people's souls and so on, and I found out that, of course, as you say, there is a common denominator everywhere. But then we are kind of colored or, or programmed by our surrounding and our tradition. Even, you know, the souls are seeking themselves to a certain part of the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, many people tell me that dreams that either represent fear or a wish. Mm-hmm. What do well, you say those, to that? Well, I'd say it's not quite that simple. But those are two of the things that your dreaming mind is always adjusting and orienting to. So that's one reason why so many dreams are anxious. You know, they're not quite nightmares, but often people have, you know, 75% of their dreams will be have a little edge to them of anxiety. And it's not because they're doing anything wrong or that their life is so terrible, but simply because that part of the psyche is always looking at the horizon to see if there is a potential threat. And even if it might be something very mundane or very mild, but the dreaming mind might exaggerate it and say, be sure to look at this. Before you buy the house, be sure to have the basement inspected for termites. I mean, there, it's, like a, it's like a mother-in-law or a grandmother who's very, very vigilant. In fact, it's called dream vigilance, this preoccupation with something that might harm you or your family or your children or your finances or your community or even your um, your tribe or your country. So yeah. it's normal. It's part of I believe it's part of our survival mechanism that the dreams scan for something and then amplify it to attract our attention to it and to help us go through well what if something happened? What would you do? It's a it's yeah. a practice and a survival mechanism. But I also think that I see all the time that we are turning towards the next big thing in our lives, whether that is a a young person's first kiss or uh, an older person's ability to do volunteer work. It's the next big thing that's coming up for you, and our dreams are always trying to understand it and to make that more accessible and to reconnect us with the power and the gifts that we have inside that we can share with other people. And these are the dreams where you you find the empty room that you love or you find treasure at your feet. You find something that you had stored in your house and you forgot it was there and you take it out and, and spruce it up again. Those are the dreams that remind us you have something and now is the time to give it. Mm. Uh, and I have a little question. Say, how long are dreams? Uh, some people say, you know, and I heard on the radio show years and years ago uh, about the two men, they were talking, and they said, well, you know, that painting fell down on the man's head, and he had a dream that he was going through a whole process of traveling, and then 
at the very end, someone came and knocked him on the head. <laughs> but <laughs> in the dream, it was very, very long. And and they said, oh, no, dreams are just like a split of a second. <laughs> and the only part of the dream that this really existed was that moment when the painting hit his head. <laughs> so, but, this was two two men speaking together <laughs> with the logic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, what is your uh, idea? What can you say about uh, the length of dreams? Are they long or are they short? We experience I, this as long. Yeah. But are they long or are they short? Well, we know that we dream um, off and on throughout the night and that we have the dreams during the REM cycle, the rapid eye movement cycle and so forth, that you see you know, children and your pets and their, their eyeballs are moving back and forth under their eyelids. Yeah. That happens every 90 minutes or so throughout the night. Um, shorter periods, five minutes or so at the beginning of the night, up to 20 minutes or half an hour before you awaken. So we know that you're dreaming all of that time. And how long each individual story takes is more difficult to say, but I believe that dreams can sometimes be quite long. I speak with people all the time who dream during the first part of the night. They go go get up and visit the restroom. They go back to bed, and they start dreaming the same dream. And so they're dreaming oh, the same that's thing wonderful. off and on. Yeah. 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 You know, so, particularly good dreams, and you can go back to them like this. I wish I could do that. <laughs> well, it takes – some people are very um, – have a special talent for, it's called dream re-entry, and they can Mm -hmm. do that very readily. And for for the rest of us, it's much more difficult, unless, of course, you're having a bad dream, and then it's much easier. We're much more prone to re-enter a stressful dream than we are to re-enter a blissful dream. But I've been told by a number of people that if if you deliberately want to get back into a dream, try and uh, re do the position that you were in physically before you woke up because your mind will be much more apt to slip into the dream landscape that you were just in if you resume that particular physical position. Why that is, we don't know exactly. I'm going to remember that for next time. And uh, do people dream in colors or do they, they dream in black and white? And I've heard different opinions on that, and I know what I do, but... What uh, what is that? What do we dream in color or black and white? Well, we do dream in color, um, and what it, what it seems to be happening is that for some personality types, the vividness of a dream dissipates. the The actual um, pictures uh, diminish over time. So if you awaken someone right out of a dream, they can tell you the colors and the landscape. But if you ask them in a half an hour or an hour or the next day, they'll tell you, well, I was in a town and there was a railroad. But if you ask them what color things were, they it seems like they dreamt in black and white. So for for some people, the, the color just disappears. Mm-hmm. I had the dream uh, when I was a teenager, and I still... And I was flying, I'm sure that means something, but I was flying over the world, and the colors underneath, you know, beneath me were so fantastic that I'll never forget them. What oh. does it mean to fly, and what would that kind of dream mean? Well, for one thing, typically, um, flying is something that we do a lot of when we're younger, and less of as we get older, but... I see flying as connected with um, the the ability to 
do something very well, uh, to move up and out of the ordinary because of your intellect, because of your um, gifts in one way or another. A lot of performers and teachers and very brilliant people fly a lot in their dreams. And it's all. And if a youngster does it a lot, it's. I think it's a sign that eventually they're going to do some unusual or some great things. Because I hear a lot of adults who have achieved special things in life talk about their flying dreams as a youngster. Yeah. When there is spectacular vividness to a landscape, um, or a heightened uh, color, almost as if the elements in the dream are lit from within, like a special effect seen in a movie. I suspect that the dreamer then was uh, traveling through another dimension because in other realms things are lit that way, Uh, like they are on a computer screen or or in a movie. There there is a luminous quality to the colors, and that makes them more vivid and more spectacular. Yeah, and that's what I experienced. It still sits with me. You know, and mm-hmm. also I heard music, fantastic music, yes. <laughs> wonderful yeah. music at the same time. So I must have just been going through a new dimension then. Is that what you're saying? I suspect that you were. And people who are highly um, spiritual or metaphysical, they often do something that I think is returning I don't know, returning home in a way, returning to a, a realm where they're more um, connected. And you get, you get restored by that, and then you get back into your body, and you're, you're nourished by that. So I think yeah. that people, it's almost like E.T. phone home. You have to go back to where you came from in your dreams and get restored, and then you can deal with the heaviness and the negativity of our earth life. Yeah, you know, I experienced that kind of happiness at times in Avatar when I saw, you know, nature the way it was presented, with that beauty and the light, you know, how it lit up when they touched the ground. I don't know if you've seen the film. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you remember those times when nature was so beautiful and so lit up? It was just like, oh, yeah. those are like my dreams, you know. Yes. Well, and I've heard. Um, that there are people posting things on the internet that they have been, um, you know, depressed or felt hopeless after seeing the movie because they felt, um, and I think it's probably because that's our normal realm as spirits where everything is beautiful like that and it is connected and it's all so easy and if you yeah. think something, you connect. And so it re- and when you have dreams like that, people sometimes feel a kind of despair when they wake up into this world where everything is so much more difficult and, and there's so much negativity uh, and so much the illusion of separateness. So I yeah, suspect I that's probably that. what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So, you know, everyone has a different reaction to everything. So uh, uh, now I asked many questions here. Do you have any kind of extraordinary dream you would like to share uh, with my audience, you know, something that you feel can explain something very, very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I have a friend uh, overseas who is one of the most gifted dreamers I've ever talked to. He has had very, very, very many um, paranormal dreams and special, uh, special dreams. And like you, he's a very spiritual person, very sort of a high soul. And he had a dream that was very lovely, 
that I like to think about because it makes me feel some in some way it's real. And in his dream, he had uh, he saw lights over a city, and I, I believe the city was Phoenix. And he thought, well, maybe these are you know the UFO lights that people talk about. And he saw the this lights kind the of dream, hover. Yeah. Yeah, hovering around. This was in around. a dream. Uh-huh. This was in a dream. Yeah, he uh-huh. saw the lights hovering around. He didn't know what they were. And, and as he kind of uh, zoomed in on what they were and his vision became clearer, he saw that they were angels flying over the city and that uh-huh. every house had an angel above it. And as he zoomed in even closer, he could see that the angels were floating there and they were whispering to people as they slept. And they were whispering to people the message for that individual person, forgive your brother, um, pay back your debt. Whatever it was that was special that the person needed to hear, have faith in yourself. Go ahead and do the project. Go back to school. Each person had a different message from a different angel. But they were all messages of love and connection and empowerment. And this is what was happening while we were sleeping. And to me, when I hear that story, it is so real. I think that we do. If If we pay attention to our dreams, we can receive the messaging that we're getting from spirit, which is always a reminder to be uh, to be forgiving, to take the high road, to believe in ourselves, and to reconnect, and to do the difficult thing or the thing that tests our courage in order to be live a larger life and be who we're meant to be. Yeah. Uh, now I can just hear how people are saying, "But I don't remember my dreams. How can <laughs> that help me?" And then I believe, though, and see if you believe that. That yes, we dream. And we don't really, in our open consciousness, I remember the dreams. But still, do they leave some kind of effect on us anyway? Absolutely. I absolutely believe that we have an effect from our dreams, whether we remember them or not. And that remembering them gives us another way to absorb their message and to digest their message. But we definitely um, benefit from them, whether we remember them or not. Nature doesn't put anything in that's wasteful, that's superfluous. And dreams are so dynamic and complex, it's, it, it is impossible to believe that we go through this um, incredible um, cinematic experience at night for no reason. It's just, you know, it just is an accident. I know of a woman who... Um, was driving one night, and she had, it was a dark, rainy night. She was driving around a curve on a road, taking a shortcut to go get her son. And so she was on a country road that was she was unfamiliar with. And driving around the curve, the sound of the windshield wipers, the rain on her window, the quiet, she had a deja vu experience in that second. And hit the brakes on her car, slowed down, and as she was slowing down, it all became dreamlike. And she remembered that a year earlier she'd had a dream that she had forgotten about being in a terrible car wreck on a rainy night on an unfamiliar road, that she had struck an animal that had been in the road. So she was slowing down, and all of this was taking place in her mind at the same time. She slowed around, came around the corner, and there was a horse standing in the middle of the road, just in a daze, and her headlights hit the horse, but she didn't hit the horse, and he ambled off the road. And she yeah. just she pulled over shaking. Then, then the shaking started after she realized what had almost happened. But she had completely forgotten that nightmare 
In the nightmare, she'd hit the horse. Its legs had come through the window, smashing into her face, breaking the glass, blood everywhere. She'd killed the horse and been terribly hurt herself. I believe that she had that dream and that deja vu moment to avoid that possible reality that was in her future. So even though she didn't remember it consciously, something in her being responded in a timely way so that that event never happened. Yeah, and that's what I really believe in, that you can have that stored in you. And uh, I also say that to people in meditation. I do those very powerful meditations Mm -hmm. in my lectures and workshops. And uh, people say, oh, I want to write it down. I said, tell them, no, you don't need to write it down. You will store that away somewhere in your subconscious and you will remember it. So you will use it. It will be used when you need the information. And that's exactly what happens. So that's what happened in this dream that you told me about. It's a fantastic dream. It really, it, 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 it's there as part of you, but part of someone who wants to help you. Mm-hmm. Yes, and absolutely. I, yeah. And uh, I have this mantra that I use a lot in my meditations to others, and that is, Within me there is a place that knows all and sees all, and that is my inner light. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, and it really works. Yes, yes. I am so glad you brought that up because that is such a perfect um, programming, such a perfect trigger to set up. Um, And once you hear this, yeah. Yes, Yes, if you simply declare it. Yeah. yeah. Within me there is a place that knows all and sees all, and that is my inner light. That is my best friend. That's beautiful. And, you know, even if I do a lecture and I lose track of, you know, which can happen to anyone, <laughs> I just come up with that mantra out loud, and then I'm back on track again, and everyone is. Uh, is as well so uh, it works <laughs> it really it really works both yeah. both psychologically just to connect your mind and also spiritually to connect you with um the extra wisdom that that we all have yeah yeah what does it mean i have a few symbolic things i'm sure uh, you will know again when i was little uh, i wanted to run away and i couldn't i was just running in one spot you know it was a terrible feeling I haven't yes. had this as a grown-up, but as a child I had it. Yes. Well, the, these symbolic things are some of the things that that we have in common. And in the Complete Dream Book, I try to give not just what they might mean in terms of psychologically, but what most people around the world have concluded was going on in their dreams. When we run and we can't um, run away in a dream, there are things that are going on physically in the dream process that make it difficult for us. Uh, that there's a kind of paralysis that goes on, as you know. And so when people have a heightened awareness in their dream, they're activated and aroused and agitated. Sometimes they become uh, awake enough to want to run but feel that they are paralyzed at the same time. So there's a theory that some of those dreams uh, the plot evolves because of what's going on physically. But what I find that people share with me is that there's usually a situation in that person's life 
where they have a strong feeling, you know, that impulse to run or to do something. It's, it's pulling you. It's like someone grabbing the front of your shirt and pulling you forward. It's that strong. But there's an equally strong set of rules or expectations or shoulds that say, no, 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 that's not okay. That's a taboo. You've got to do this other thing that maybe your family tradition or something wants you to do. So you've got a perfect problem with equally opposing forces, the drive to do something that's in you to do and the prohibition that that's simply not okay. So it's different for everyone, but there, there's usually this set. And that's so what I can causes see that yeah, as a child that I had ideas, I wanted to do things. <laughs> and, of course, already at that time I could see, you know, uh, people who were deceased, and I could also oh. communicate quite well with animals, but I couldn't really share this with others. So, of course, I was stuck very much with this. So, yes. as you see, I was just there uh, running in one spot, and it was very, it was not nice. <laughs> yes. Just stood there or just tried to get away. <laughs> yes, and I find that although both men and women have that, um, it's much more common for women. And I think women definitely find themselves in that bind more often because we really want to please those we love and we really want to make everyone comfortable. And yet we also have such an acute sensitivity about other things that are true and other things we we have a hunger to do. So women get that paralysis quite a bit more. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Uh, We are now here with Dr. Gillian Holloway. And uh, Dr. Jalen Holloway, can you please give us your um, how how people can reach you if they have any questions of any kind, and where could we get your books? Um, the the book is the complete dream book, and it is now available on Amazon, um, and it should be out. It, we kind of ran out, but it should be out uh, now in its newer printing in the the bookstores around you. Um, you can reach me at my website, which is lifetrex.com, and I'll spell that. It's yeah, L-I-F-E-T-R-E-K-S. Um, okay. And you can send me a dream. If you have uh, questions, you can just write me a, an email. The, the connection is right there on the website. So I would be delighted to hear, hear what your audience is dreaming about. And, of course, I represent many, many cultures in my programs. I have uh, people from all over the world. I even get letters or emails from countries like Pakistan and Afghanistan and from Lebanon and, you know, Greece and Scandinavia and Russia and, you know, all over the place, which is kind of exciting. Very. From women, uh, of course, I would have more women, but I have men also. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some programs have been surprised that, I've had men listening as much as they have, particularly when it comes to angels and things. It's like they're more comfortable when no one sees them. <laughs> That's so interesting. They can, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and the same goes for my telephone con- consultations. I do a lot of men over the telephone where they mm-hmm. don't have to show themselves, whereas women like to come and see me in mm-hmm. person and, you know, present themselves. So... Um, uh, but I feel we all are opening up a lot, and I have a lot of wonderfully spiritually uh, inclined men friends uh, mm-hmm. all over the place, and it's so good to hear uh, how open they are and what questions they have. 
And uh, when I was small, I remember men then around me. Of course, I grew up with boys, and there were men everywhere. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, uh, they were kind of laughing at dreams and oh, that is nothing. But then through the years, that has now come to be quite an important science, the way mm-hmm. you present it, for instance, which is so wonderful, and you are very multidimensional with your dream interpretations, which I like. What does it mean to fall? You know, you, you fall. You are well, high on your fall. Very often falling dreams happen when people tell me they are um, having a situation in their life where they're, it feels like they're out of control. And, of course, falling is one of the instincts, one of the two things that we are born being afraid of the sensation of falling. That's one of our basic fears. And so it's really deep-rooted with um, either taking on too much or being in a situation where, you know, someone is in charge or you just feel like you can't, you can't control events. And that's one of the things that we hate as human beings is that we're in a situation where we can't control it. So that's the most common situation that gives rise to the sensation of falling. I also uh, suspect... That- yeah. I also suspect that sometimes when we are out traveling, you know, we're out of body when we're mm-hmm. sleeping, that when we come back into the body, that sometimes we have a sensation. There's kind of a whoosh as you reenter and you get a little bit, some people wake up and they're a little bit dizzy, almost as though they had had a fall. Um, yeah. And that for some people that's a part of what's going on, but it's usually not as frightening when that occurs. Yeah, and uh, before you fall asleep, that you have a, f- a sensation of falling. Have you? Do you know about that? Yes, that and I, just before I think, you fall asleep. I think that that is um, the sensation that we have when we're shifting our consciousness very rapidly, and and it's almost I don't know if we're if we're leaving the body at that time, but I know I have felt that as well. That there's a sensation of of you're slipping. You're slipping into something, yeah, almost like slipping into a pool of water. Yeah, and I remember when I was little, uh, someone around me said, oh, that is from the time when we were monkeys and we used to sleep with fish <laughs> and we fell down. <laughs> and they said that seriously. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. It's so it's so funny that there are so many things that are um, d- a little dismissive, of dreams, but I think now people are having one of the fun things is that people who don't believe in in the paranormal or the non ordinary are having incredible experiences. So there you go. Once you have an experience, the the blinders get pulled off, and then you have to kind of find a way, uh, find a place to put it. Yeah, I remember down here in Miami a few years ago when they started with the Florida lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, you put six numbers and you get so and so many millions. And the first time somebody won here, uh, they asked the man, how could he find those numbers? And he said on television, he said, oh, my deceased mother came to me in a dream and she gave me the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, good yeah. for him. Yeah, good Great. for him. Yeah. So I've been waiting for that dream myself, you know, <laughs> to have my mother come and tell me, okay, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so it works, you know. Yeah. 
And uh, I think he was uh, Cuban, and of course uh, the Cuban tradition, I think, is more involved in this kind of thing than maybe the regular American um, tradition. What do you feel? I, I, that's just my little feeling. Well, I, I don't know a lot about their culture, but from the students that I have in my college classes who are more international, I can see quite easily that different cultures have a much more um, comfortable a relationship with their dreams and with the afterlife, and that it's not—it's not such a big uh, conundrum to them. That they kind of scratch their heads when we're wondering if something could possibly happen. They're—they're they're taking it for granted as a daily occurrence. So, I do see that quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, I remember when we were young teenage girls, and uh, we had a saying among, among us that, "Oh, if we dream about this boy, you know, we will fall in love with him." And it usually was that way. As soon as we dreamt about somebody, we would love him. <laughs> we uh-huh. in love with him. Is there anything, some kind of connection there? Is something happening? Is that some kind of subconscious or what is that? Well, I do think that we um, make connections. We recognize someone, really. I think just like when you meet someone and you have never met them before, but you feel that you already know them sometimes, there's a part of our spirit that recognizes someone that's going to be important in our lives and we probably dream about them and that connection before it has taken place in in the third dimension but i don't think that every time a youngster dreams about someone that they have a crush on that that necessarily means that that's their soulmate and this is one one reason why it's so important to get acquainted with your own dreams and understand what's typical for you before you try to make a, a connection or read too much into a single dream. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, everything you have said has made perfect sense. Now we only have two minutes left. And is there anything you would like to add on about dreams that I have not uh, talked about uh, at all, and I can announce before that that um, I'm going to Europe now, so we will not have a program next week. But after that, I will have a banker, a realtor, and an author who will speak about haunted houses. So that should be a little pick for you. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Really, the only thing I want to underscore is what you mentioned about your mantra with. Uh, you know, within me there is a place that knows all and sees all, and that, mm-hmm. and that is my inner light. Um, I would love it if people would uh, take up the reins of that and use it to connect with their dreams if they're having trouble remembering them. Just declare uh, that you can remember your dreams and that you understand them. And if you don't remember them consciously, you can still benefit and be nourished by them unconsciously, and that you will respond effectively at any moment in time. Just create an affirmation or a declaration for yourself that you can say morning and night to forge that connection better, and you will react and you can trust yourself um, at any moment in your future to do what's necessary to do. Thank you. I think that's wonderful what you're saying, and I'm so much looking forward to your dream book, uh, the complete dream book, 
and uh, you are very, very knowledgeable. Dr. Holloway, you are based outside of Portland, Oregon, which is far away from here, so you're in the morning still. And my listeners, most of them are in Europe, and they are having dinner <laughs> about this time. <laughs> so we are spread out over the globe. How's the weather where you are? Well, we're having some nice uh, hints of spring right now, so it's very nice. I'm able to get out and ride my horse in the hills right now. Oh, beautiful. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Do uh, uh, do horses uh, connect with us? Uh, you know, I'm a great believer in horses and what they feel and what they think and who they are and so on. How uh, how spiritually connected do you find horses to be? Very spiritually connected. They are almost frighteningly uh, soulful in, in their characteristics. And the more that we relate to our animals, as you know, uh, and, and the fullness of their consciousness, the more they turn that back to us and forge a connection. If you treat them like an object, they will behave like an object. If they know that you're consciously awake, then they will share their spirituality with you. Yeah. I work a lot with horses, and particularly with uh, mares, you know, the ones who are given birth to, mm-hmm. to, to the foals mm-hmm. when they're having trouble and, and talk to them long distance. And uh, we get a lot of information there. So I work with a few horse farms, actually, in the world oh. uh, in this uh, area. And it's oh, very that's interesting. wonderful. Yes, yeah. So I feel we could talk on for a long time. Uh, the show is still, um, you know, it's recording. It's not streaming now, <laughs> but it's <laughs> recording. So you will be for the archives, and that's where most people listen anyway. So okay. thank you again so very, very much. I'm delighted that you wanted to be on my show. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm delighted to know of your work. I'll be in touch with you as a resource in the future, I know. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> and I have books also, but I'm looking forward to your book so much. Thank you. All okay. right. Well, bye-bye now. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> 